Welcome to the Emotional Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Splendori, and this week my guest is Wendy Chin. Wendy was already my guest for episode one and two, but we decided to record another to delve a little bit deeper into vulnerability, the importance of connections, compassion, and how to engage employees in an organization. As I'm starting the coaching business and realizing the benefits of it, I decided to set up this podcast to talk to as many people as possible about how they see coaching and how they came to it. If you want to find out a bit more about it, go to andreasplendori.com. Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. The title tune is Pressure by Nevada. Yeah, the whole idea is to, to really uh, understand the journey on why people are doing what they're doing within this world, you know. And uh, and you all have a diff- we all have different different stories for getting there and mm-hmm. how we got there. Mm-hmm. The concept is the idea. The idea is what I want to get is, and it seemed to already three conversation. Well, this is the fourth. It's already a, a, a thread that the coaching is relevant, is important, is, has its place in a lot of in a lot of businesses and individuals and education and so on and so forth. It's just how how it's going to be perceived by people, how people in Ireland perceive it, how people in Italy perceive it, and so on. So I think that's what I said out to do is what is happening. So it's it's I don't want it to be just um, a promo for the person I'm sitting with, you know, because that can, you can do that on your own website. You can do your own promo yeah. video. But if if we can pinpoint things that are important to you, then those importance that importance comes through, as it did for the first two episodes, which you, where people really kind of related. Oh, wow, that's that was deep. That was really. And I heard people like Petra stop me on the street. They say that was fantastic. You know, now Petra would have no interest in the coaching, maybe, but mm. she she just enjoyed the, the conversation. You know, and the, the points mm. made. Yeah, so it's an interesting one, and I, I said it actually to um, a previous client of mine. I said it would not be my style uh, to be so vulnerable, um, but even more so to like broadcast your vulnerability. And uh, I said to her, I, said, I just tried something different uh, and shared my stories, and just you know, one, I think it was easy because we were friends and and all of that. But I just wanted to try something different as to how it would work. It's interesting, the vulnerability thing, because I, I've been looking at and I listened to different things and I spoke to different people. And I, the best I heard, vulnerability is freedom. And if you think about it, like the moment you put it out there, you know, I can say to you, look, I, that's what I've done. Then you can't do anything about that. That's my story and it's out there. Then you can move on to the next thing. You know, So this idea that you can be take you up on something that you've done in the past or whatever, you know, that's... Even on that, on choosing to be vulnerable, that's the step. That's where you step over yourself, yeah. uh, get yourself out of the way, not worry about your ego or how it's going to land or how it's going to um, appear, you know. And that has, that has been a real challenge for me around trying to be vulnerable or even wanting to be vulnerable and one of the things um that i learned through my journey was that um and and then it's simple when you my grandmother 
was my first manager when I was 14. I used to sit in her office as, uh, and I would help do accounts receivable. So I did the, co the collection of money in a doctor's office. How awful. But she was the one who said to me, and she's more than 50 years older than me. She said, money, never, ever let anybody know what's going on personally. And that absolutely, you know, going back to that conversation I said to you about an old boyfriend, that one comment grew roots and formed my management style to just very recently because I was told and I was led to believe that you only manage by putting on a facade and a persona and you never let your people, your team, your employees know who you really are. Um, and during my emotional intelligence journey, I had to really take that belief off and say, you know what, that's just no longer serving me. My, I, my, my team want to know me. Um, even, even when I did my 360, one of my, my colleagues, that was exactly, it still came out that she said, when you really try to need to connect with people, you need to be able, people want to know who you are. But I had this belief that I wasn't supposed to do that. Um, so going and, and doing the podcast and being really vulnerable, I said, right, I'm going to just step into those shoes and see how it goes. Well, and that's a great place to start then, to take it up from, uh, from the last conversation we had. That, uh, so the last conversation we had, it was two episodes, and we got some great feedback from listeners. They just really, really enjoyed the conversation, the topic, mm -hmm. the, the depth of the topic, the way you went in and further details. But as I was saying, they really enjoyed the, the fact it was personalized. You talked about you, you talked about your family, you talked about real examples of how emotional intelligence works for you. And mm. today we're going to talk about that emotional intelligence that is not really a fluffy thing. It's not a softy, softy thing. It's a bit more than that. What, what, do, you, what do you say about the, that? Yeah, and it's, it's a really interesting one because I believe that, the you know, and as I said to you in our last call, emotional intelligence is not new. It has been in existence for 30 plus years. It's, it's well researched, it's well evidenced, but a lot of leaders and a, and a lot of those corporate um, purse holders, they have always seen this as a soft skill. It's a, it's a behavioral skill and they, they made it um, view that the hard skills are the one where they need to be able to problem solve, they need to be able to do maths and they need to be able to read and write and all of that. Those are the hard skills. But actually, emotional intelligence is hard. It isn't soft or isn't fluffy. Um, it's a hard skill. They're hard competencies to really learn because if you think about it, you've got to really peel back those, those layers. If you think of yourself as an onion and each layer you peel away, you're getting to the core of what's really the issue. Um, so that's why I suppose I talk about that emotional intelligence is not soft or fluffy, actually. It's a hard skill, and I think that particularly now as we're going through so many changes you know, globally, if companies can hardwire the importance of those skills, those emotional intelligence skills, that they're not soft and fluffy. Um, I have a very good friend who's head of learning and development for, um, in the leadership program for a global company. And I asked her, I said, what's your view? You know, are you bringing emotional intelligence into your 
learning platform? And she said, mm, not really, because my CEO or the one whoever holds the purse money still believes that it's soft um, and that it's not a set of skills that they should invest to develop. And that's really tough. You know, but what's really interesting is I, I had read um, a recent article that Deloitte's put out and they said that over 53% of their respondents had said that in the next three years, more than half to all of their employees will need to be reskilled because of the global landscape in terms of what's going on. You know, and I know even from your own experience, getting into coaching, well, you have done a, a complete, you know, a complete change, a complete reinvention. Um, and a lot of companies, as they try to figure out and navigate through the new world that we're in, well, what skills do we have? What skills do we need? Um, and it's really, you know, at the core of it, it's going, it, you know, I would hope that organizations will see if they can build and hardwire emotional intelligence into their organizations, how much more effective they could be because their employees will be more adaptable. They'll be able to be more creative and more innovative. Um, and it was interesting that that same report that I read from Deloitte's, it said that we're now in the age of imagination, no longer the age of production. So, well, if we're going to be imaginative and really have to be creative and innovative, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that if we don't have the skills to do that? But if I go back to your friend that is in the leadership role and she mm. has an obstacle, the CEO, whoever, the purse, the purse holder saying, no, it's still soft. I don't have the budget for this. I'm not. I mean, are the obstacles really based around the fact that we don't have um reports showing so far we don't really have reports showing that something like emotional intelligence could affect the bottom line because i mean the guys holding the purse is going okay look i can reskill these guys to do whatever the company's doing uh, web designing or whatever as opposed to spend money on an emotional intelligence program that i'm not really sure what's going to do to my bottom line is that one of the obstacles yeah, and, and the thing is that there's lots of studies. As I said to you, emotional intelligence is not new. It's research-based, it's evidence-based. Um, but I think there those golden nuggets of the research is, is, is probably coming to the forefront um, and the need of it and the need. And actually, it was really interesting. I don't know if you read in the Sunday Business Post last Sunday, um, Owen McManus from Three, he talked about his emotional intelligence journey and how it has helped him as a leader. Um, so you actually really need to hear more leaders talking about how they have been um, effective or more effective in, in really developing their emotional intelligence skills. My, the call that I just had before this, I was coaching a CEO where we were doing that. We were helping him. He had a particular issue that he was trying to resolve, but we started with him and I said, okay, so, you know, what are, what are the things that are, what are the thoughts in your head that are, when you're talking to that individual, what's actually going on in your head that may prevent you from having an effective conversation with that individual? So it all starts with you as, as, as a starting point before you even go and engage. I said, so what do you think that that individual or your employee needs from you? Mm. And that's kind of how we started. 
um, because what he's trying to do is he's trying to develop a new structure within his organization. And we were working through the mechanics of that. So that's executive coaching, but it's also emotional intelligence because it starts with the individual around what are they doing? What, how are they showing up or not? Okay. But if we go, if we stay with the, I suppose it's corporate well-being and is another word that people are discussing at the moment, you know, making sure that the corporation, that the, the company is actually uh, not just paying lip service to well-being of, of, like at the moment we're going through this turmoil and so many people are going to be reshuffled and then they don't have the tools to figure out what they're going to do next. Uh, but I mean, uh, as, as somebody said, you know, it's, it's not enough to have the nice fruit on the table when you walk into the office. There's got to be a lot more. But how how do you see it? Okay, you spoke to a CEO today and he's working on his emotional intelligence. How quickly can that be put in through the system for him to pass it on to everybody at every level? Because it can't be just the line managers, right? It, can, it has to go all the way down. How quickly can that happen in that particular case, for example? Yeah, and that's actually a great example. So if you think about it and how I like to think about emotional intelligence, it's a ripple effect. So he's the CEO or you as the, you know, your owner of your company or me, the owner of my company, but you're the CEO at the top. If you can actually exhibit and model those behaviors And if you think about that one conversation that he was having with that employee of his, if he is is holding strong and showing up in the right way, that's going to have an impact. Uh, He's going to be able to connect better with that individual, that one manager, who is then going to have a better impact with their team down the road. So then you have this ripple effect throughout the organization. And what are we talking about? We're talking about culture. You're talking about company culture, well-being, however you want to call it, that has this ripple effect right through the organization. So it just starts with one. It just starts with one person. And that individual has such an amazing impact throughout the organization. So if I share a personal example with you that happened to me, a number of years ago, um, I was leading a, a very large global team and um, thought I was doing really, really well. You know, going back to my superwoman example, I thought I was just absolutely doing, play, playing a blinder, actually, if I use the Irish term. Uh, but I did, I thought I was superwoman and I just thought I was, you know, hitting it out of the park. Um, but one day, my manager came to me and she said to me, she said, Wendy, something's wrong. And I said, what do you mean something's wrong? And she goes, something's wrong with your team. Now, little did she know I was projecting the superwoman image as I told you about, but deep inside, I was crying. I was floundering. I was barely keeping my head above water, but I didn't want to show it because it was, I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want them to know that I was just going, oh my God, this is crazy. I'm not, you know, I I just wasn't going to fail in anybody's eyes. But when she came to me that day and she said, Wendy, something's wrong. Something's wrong with your team. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. Um, But this is really bad. Uh, It was a really bad blind spot. It hurt deeply that something was wrong and I had no idea what it was. And so we did an intervention with my team. I mean, my team had said to me, you know, well, Wendy would be better off 
sitting in an office by herself and not talking to anybody. And I was deeply hurt. Um, so much hurt that I, anyway, would have cried for a long time by myself, but just said, I don't, how, how did I, how, I'm not a mean person, you know? And then, so now when I reflect back, what happened was I wasn't connecting with my team at all. So I was showing up to my team meetings. I was showing up to my one-to-ones and I was there, right? And I'm saying, well, what do you mean something wrong with my team? I'm there. I'm having my meetings and all that. But actually what was happening is I was, I was listening to them, but I wasn't hearing them. My mind was going like this, tick, 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 tick. And I was already onto my next meeting. I was thinking about my to-do list and I wasn't there. So I was there in body, but my mind was well gone. Um, and the impact that that had on my team is that they just didn't want to engage with me at all. Um, and if you think about it, that if, if, if I hadn't been vulnerable to open up and actually take on the advice, the feedback from my team, I could have been fired. I could have been fired as a really bad leader. And then who knows what would have happened. Um, but thankfully I did get the investment from my company and I did take on that constructive criticism, which it hurt like hell. Um, and, uh, it was a really painful time in my life where I had to really figure out as a leader, I was a crap leader and, and the bottom line, what did I do wrong? I wasn't connecting with my team. So now we talked about that the last time around you know, in today's world, how are you going to do that if you're doing that over a video, over a Zoom, over, sorry, there's my big bad dog who likes to, to scare everybody at the door, um, or the, the, the daily postman. Um, so that, that was a very simple example of happened. And, you know, am I a bad leader? Absolutely not. But I was wrapped up in my own world and I was wrapped up in trying to hit my goals, you know, manage the CEO, manage across. And um, I wasn't connecting to my team. I wasn't listening to my team. I wasn't, I wasn't helping them. I wasn't coaching them. I wasn't there for them. Um, and it was a really tough lesson to learn um, around that, that, uh, that leadership dynamic. So if you think about that and you put the emotional intelligence hat on, had I been aware of what was going on at the time, had I been able to connect with them, had I been able to show them empathy, I wouldn't have had that, that conversation I distinctly remember when my manager came to me and she said, Wendy, something is seriously wrong. <laughs> so that high fire, that high achiever that I thought I always was, I came crashing down and, and it hurt. Um, and I, yeah, it was, it was a moment in my, my career that, you know, was, was really hard to, um, to work through. That's, that's interesting. Cause again, I mentioned corporate wellbeing, but I, I was doing some study the other day and, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. Like corporate wellbeing surely is wellbeing. We're all human. You know, we happen to be working 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, but you know, it's, it's the same person that walks into an office and, and carries with him her whatever the well-being is that you have developed. But you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, uh, EI is not a, is not a soft skill; needs to be learned. But how realistic? So, uh, if you if we go back to that bad moment in your career, if you were to improve within the team, you and the leadership team, and yourself and the team, if you were to 
go back in time now and say, okay, let's get everybody on this emotional intelligent journey. Realistically, how would that work and how long would it take? If I'm the owner of that company, go, okay, I can see it and I know this is good. How long will it take me to get the team up and and yeah, well, and I, I think it goes back to what I originally said to you around coaching or even in your own self-personal development. Um, you can only coach somebody where they want to go. Um, if the individual doesn't believe that they want to change or there's a need to change, they're never going to change. Um, so I think if you were going top down and how could you how could you do that? I mean, there are a number of things. You know, one... And as I had said from the Goldman AI method, it's, it's that learn, apply, reflect. So what are the competencies? What are the key competencies as, as a CEO that I believe um, we need to change or we need to develop? What are those skills? I mean, I, I shared with you that, that quote, you know, if over you know, half of the respondents of Deloitte uh, survey said that they're going to have to change the entire skills or at least half of them in the next three years, well, how do you do that? So it's, it's trying to identify what, what, what are the gaps? What are the competencies that you're really trying to fill? And then how do we help them learn them? How do we help them apply them? Giving them that, that it's okay, that they've got to develop these skills, um, that they're not going to be, I suppose, looked down upon because they're developing. I mean, that is what personal development is. It's about growing. It's around reskilling yourself. It's around developing yourself to be better um, that's so how so to answer your question I suppose it's how long is a piece of string you know but you everybody you might just be working on one actually here's a really good example one of my other clients had said that they're trying to build and bring in agility and innovation now that's one of their core values and particularly in the in the global landscape that we have they don't have the budget to hire more people right but they need to be able to do more with less. That sounds familiar. Um, and how are they going to do that? So we talked about how can you build that agility and that innovation competency uh, or value, depending on wherever sits within that organization, how are you going to build that? Well, you've got to grow that competency. You've got to be able to help those employees who've never done this. I mean, let's be honest, change is hard. And change is not easy. And lots of people will, will avoid it uh, at all costs. Um, but they have to be able to be, particularly now, be adaptable and being open to change and being open to reinventing themselves. Because, you know, with everything that's going on, with, you know, AI coming in, machine learning, so many jobs are going to disappear because technology will take them over. So what's really going to differentiate us? It's going to be it's going to be our personable skills. It's going to be our I almost call it our secret power, um, you know, to be able to set ourselves apart. You know, if you were if you had 10 employees and you're looking at all 10 of them and nine of them just put their head down and just kept going. Well, that might be fine, well and good. But those nine you're not going to promote. The one you're going to promote is the one that demonstrates the the ability to lead or to be empathetic, to be able to be adaptable right now, that's going to help you lead into this next new product that you're delivering or your next new norm or your growth strategy. Those are the individuals 
So you really are going to, you know, whether it goes back to the Persians, but you really are going to hire, promote people based on their emotional intelligence, whether you call it that as an umbrella term or, or specific indicators. That's really what's going to happen. Interesting. And I suppose all of that feeds into the culture, as you mentioned earlier on, where, you know, it's okay sometimes to put your hand up and say you're not okay, and, you know, to be vulnerable yeah. within it because too many of us in that environment of agility, which is the, the new big buzzword, agility, make you do more work for less. Uh, but we've all been there um, where you're trying to do as much as you can and you work all hours of the day and night. But uh, sometimes it, it's, it's good to put your hand up and say, look, I'm struggling here. And to be within a, a culture that allows that, and that mm. starts from the CEO, right? He, needs, he or she needs to understand that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and even you going back, going go back to Owen McManus's article that he did in Sunny Business Post. He talks about being vulnerable, and how that has really uh, shaped his leadership style. Now, when someone's vulnerable, you know, and we were talking earlier, you have to um, move yourself out of the way and and feel okay to be vulnerable. So that does come from one a sense of, of, of strong self-awareness, um, but also, I suppose, in one sense, in that culture that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show up in terms of who you are. And that means so much more. I mean, that you, you are able to connect with individuals at a, such of a deeper level because they're sharing in terms of what are, what's going on for them. You know, so if you, if, you know, for, for leaders who are going from Zoom call to Zoom call to Zoom call, and you've got so many things on your plate, just spend the extra five minutes, spend the extra 10 minutes and actually just try to connect with them and say, how are you? How are you doing? You know, not, you know, have you done this, 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 and this, and, and forget about the person as an individual. I think the other thing one of my clients has said that has been so nice during this period is what she has noticed is that there's a really lovely sense of kindness that's coming in. And that comes back to your well-being piece. Now, if we could only continue to hold that sacred, because that level of kindness, that level of humanity is really what's going to help us to get us through into the next piece. If, if people start going back into those directive leadership styles of saying, do this, do this, do this, this. Their, their, their teams are going to be walking out the door because they don't, you know, do they not realize that I've got 10 kids in the background who are sitting all on their iPads because I'm trying to work because I have to work and I, I need to make money. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it comes across in, in all different aspects. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, actually, when I was talking to Paul McManus of Extensions for this podcast, he was talking about the loneliness of the CEO uh, sometimes yeah. you end up being promoted yeah. to that role where you are all of a sudden you're on your own and you're a lot of responsibility sometimes beyond what you expected. And so, and I'm not just the founder CEO, but it, it, I'm just saying that there's a conversation that needs to happen. The, 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 the guys, the line manager needs to understand. And so does everybody else. And you say, uh, well, obviously we kind of touched already on it, but, employee engagement within the, the, the realm of um, EI, EQ. Tell me a bit more about that. How, how do you see that being a, a positive? Yeah, so I think that, you know, it, it ties back to culture, you know. So what is, 
even now it's it's difficult how how are you going to engage with your employees as we talked about you know you're not in our last call you, you can't walk down the the corridor and see hundreds of people on the phone or doing whatever that those days really aren't there well at least for now as we're still all kind of semi-locked in <laughs> um but in terms of employee engagement it goes back to that humanity piece that goes back to being able to really connect with them how do we connect with them are we even what i said the last time are we are we listening to understand them or are we listening to respond if you go back to that painful point when i was you know leading a global team i didn't not that i didn't care about my team i was just so wrapped up in my own head i wasn't there and it had um just disastrous impacts you know, so it, it had negative ripple <laughs> um, and it went right through my team where they said to me, well, you know, what? just go put her in an office and close the door. And I was shocked and I was hurt, um, you know. Anyway, so it's a, it, just a painful time. So it, it can, that level of connection, that level of listening to them, what's really going on for them, showing them the empathy, that is critical. If they don't feel it, or they think it's phony or you're just not connecting with them and it's it's just i'm kind of oh well wendy said i need to do this and i'm going to do this but if you don't really mean it then it's just not going to show up you know and it's interesting when you think about empathy and and goldman talks about kind of three levels of, of empathy em, empathy the first one is just cognitive so i'm just trying to understand right but it's just still in my head right then the next level of empathy is around um the emotions i'm trying to feel what's going on and then the third one is what people call even um compassion you know that i actually i understand what's going on i feel what's going on and i then take action so what can i do for you or how can i support you in terms of what you're going through that's the level of connection that will have an immediate impact around engagement you know so if you think about it that's that could be one thing that managers could do right now that will have you know how are you i mean it sounds very simple but it has such a such a huge impact on engagement and i think particularly now particularly because our unemployment is just really skyrocketing in here in ireland uh, across the us people are just thankful and holding on to their jobs whether they're engaged or they're not engaged. And that's going to be really tricky because their level of engagement is they're more, even going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they just need to make sure they've got cash coming in because they've got to support their family, they've got to support the roof of their head. Um, but I think it's an opportunity to really hook them in and engage them, help them, grow them, so that they can still really blow the lights out for you and be with you going back to my old my other client around to be able to be agile and innovative with less um but you've got to give them that space and you've got to really show that you really care i know it sounds really simple and really silly but it is so many people forget that and going back to that same client her biggest worry now now that uh for her for her employees they're all they all are back at work so her biggest worry was are we gonna are we gonna miss the kindness that we've had over the last quarter interesting let's let's take that example then uh, because okay if we just 
park aside the big Google, Facebook, and all these gigantic companies, yeah. we start with the SMEs where a lot of hopefully the, the rebirth is going to start from, you know, the, the small companies, the 10, 20, 50, let's call it 50 employees. How would you, it, it, let's say I'm the CEO of that, that company coming to you and say, Wendy, I do really want to start this, transforming my company to be more emotional intelligence, be more compassion in the company. What do I do? What do you suggest to them? Like, yeah, so I think there are a number of tools. And so if we, if we take the tool route first and then I can come back to, you know, okay, well, let's say I don't go that tool route, but the first one I would do is, is, is really look and, and, you know, look at even doing a 360, you know, have your peers, have your employees tell you what's going on. Yeah. But, and this is different. Remember I was saying, saying to you last time, the, the Goldman, um, 360 is done with corn fairy so it's about their emotional social competencies and it, it it rates them in terms of all of those areas I would actually do that first because that's a real eye-opener because the whole purpose of that is to say well how do I see myself and how do others see me so that is a, a tool kind of I um, method the other one that that is even more simple is ask for the feedback but ask for real feedback but but be prepared. And if, if someone's giving you feedback, don't judge that person, right? But just listen. Just listen. As you know, if I was if I was the CEO of the SME, I would just listen. Hear what your employees have to say. Give them the space to be open and honest, and not be fearful about. Gosh, is he or she going to fire me because I've just said X, Y, or Z? Um, they need to be able to that. And then the other one that is, is probably a little bit less subtle is, um, I call this pay, pay attention to those, um, those tender moments. Now those, that's not in a romantic sense. Um, but pay attention to those moments when you've had an emotional reaction to something. So if someone has asked you a question or someone is something and you've had this reaction, I would just actually sit down and, and, and pause and say, why did that get me so upset? Or why did I, why did I, you know, respond in that negative way? What is that? That's that, you know, responding and listening and paying attention to those tender moments. Now, maybe again, it sounds too emotional or too romantic. Um, but that's what I mean by that is why am I reacting the way I'm reacting? That will be a really good indicator. And so, to kind of almost think about for myself, well, you know, if that was a really negative reaction, if I just bit the head off of so-and-so, what's the ripple effect of that? So, I mean, that's, you know, go back to my other, you know, my, my, my crap moment in my career. I couldn't even see it. I couldn't see that, you know, my employees, my team just felt nothing and that I wasn't there. Um, and they could have walked right out the door because I didn't care. Um, and then I would have been in another hole. Uh, so those are kind of two simple things that you could do as the CEO of an SME straight away and be open to that rather than, you know, I've got to do this, 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 and this. Actually, if you just take my leadership lesson where I learned and learned the hard way, you just put that aside. And even one thing that I was suggesting that I often suggest while I'm coaching is, you know, I'm having a conversation with, you know, one of my direct employees 
you know, before you actually go into that conversation, what's your agenda, right? Own it, put it down on the table and leave it there for a second. If you really want to come, if you really want to develop your empathy skills, put your agenda down on the table just for a minute because it's not about you. And ask that and ask and, and change perspectives. Think about, well, how is he or she feeling, you know, coming onto this call? What might be going on for them? If you just do that and you really hone in on, your, on that empathy competency, you'll be in a much better place. You will have employees that will stick with you who want to help you get through this new normal that we're in. Good. Yeah, it is simple. And I guess then the, the role of the likes of yourself or coaches or trainers or whatever to, to, to start off that process could also be an important intervention where you bring somebody external just to get, get you on the right path and then move on once you have that culture within the company. Yeah, yeah great. It is. I, I do agree with you. I, I do believe it's a, it's a simple. And, you know, me, for me, it's all about conversations. The more conversations, the better we're all going to be. But last thing I want to ask you, and I know we can talk forever, we might do another one again, because I'm sure you come up with something new in a few weeks' time, but meditation. Mm. And again, you know me, I'm quite skeptical, and uh, I've always done some sort of meditation, but not in the, in the formal way of uh, sitting down somewhere quiet. I've started recently, and I'm really enjoying it. But I've always done my own meditation, my own way, to find time and space to really get stuck in my own head and try to figure it out. Is it something you do? Is it something you recommend? Is it something you see part of that old process of EI and everything else? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of the key components that will help you on this journey. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what, um, what I do um, and what Goldman also helps and if you think about what they're what they're trying to do is the med what the meditation actually helps you do is manage your own emotions manage your thoughts um manage the way and give you that space or that time to pause to really gather your thoughts um so that you can manage uh your response so much better so it is absolutely meditation so whether people meditate whether um, you know, Goldman talks about lots of different micro techniques that help you to gain control. So you've been triggered by something, right? But it's that space there in terms of how you gain control of how I want to respond. So whether you do that through meditation, whether you do that through just taking a you know, very simple three breaths in your head and just stop and calm before you respond that is emotional intelligence that's where that lovely place can play out in terms of you know am i going to just blitz that person because i'm so upset or actually am i going to try to handle it a little bit differently so for me what do i do i do a couple of things um i do i do some meditation yes um i've only recently started and i would have been a skeptic a big skeptic of, of meditation in, in itself and kind of thought that was just really hokey and pokey. Um, really thought that was hokey and pokey and just 
but I tried it. So that's one of the things I've done. Um, and I did Deepak Chopra's meditation with Oprah Winfrey and I just fell in love with his voice and the calmness that it brought to me. Um, so that was definitely one that I will continue. I think on a, on a, um, on a daily piece, I think there are a couple of things that I do. Um, and here are a couple of exercises. So, uh, for one, there were through my own emotional intelligence journey. If I think about th- if I think about colleagues or individuals that I would have had difficulties with, and knowing that I, they just either rub me the wrong way or whatever the case might be, there's a beautiful exercise um, that Goldman teaches you. It's called just like me. You know, so you just in your head. So let's say Andrea, that you and I, I was having, you know, I was just having a war with you, which would be unlikely, but let's say I did, you know, in my own head, what I would be saying is, um, Andrea, uh, is a, um, a really lovely family man. And he's just like me. Um, Andrea wants to do well in his job and, um, and, and feel accomplishments just like me. Andrea um, wants to uh, wake up every day and know that he can support his family, just like me. And you do this over uh, several times. And, and, uh, and how it worked for me and was really interesting is that there was one colleague of mine that I just really, really struggle with. Um, I don't know why. I, well, I've been trying to figure that bit out. Um, and so every time I would get on a call with this individual, I did the just like me kind of exercise in my head. What it did for me is that it just, you know, if you think about it, when you and I first started, and that's what makes you so successful in the podcast that you run, is that everybody who gets on the call, whether they're a CEO or whether they're a student on this, you know, whatever, they're just like you. And so that brings it down to a level of humanity that I, that you're able to relate with them in a different way. So doing those just like me, and it doesn't matter whatever you say, just like me, you know, he's uh, or she's a, a mom just like me. She's a parent that has kids at home just like me. You know, she's trying to work and cook the dinner at five o'clock just like me. And it's, it, it may sound really simple, but what it does to your brain is it just really changes your perspective on the individual that you may be having conflict with. Um, And it was fascinating. So that worked tremendously for me individually. And I recommend anyone try it. It's, it's, um, it worked, it worked a treat. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. It's very simple. It is something I lived by for a long time. And we're all the same, as far as I'm concerned. We just do different jobs, but that's all we do. We're all, uh, we're all exactly the same inside out, you know? Yeah, and that's exactly it. And I think if that's your starting point, that's why it makes it so much easier for you to relate to others um, and and not have that, you know, even if you were having an aggro with somebody else. Well, you know what? They are just like me. If you just change your perspective and see perhaps, well, where are they coming from? It just lessens that response and you're not going to blast them. Sounds fascinating. Well, I don't want to keep any much, uh, keep you much longer because I know you're a busy woman, and uh, although you're no longer Wonder Woman or Superwoman, but you're still a busy woman. So, 
we're gonna call it a day on this one, but we will probably talk again when I come up, and we might even do a live uh, webinar at some point. I'll co I'm coming up with some ideas, and I'll talk to you about it offline. You never know; it might involve you in that, just to to spread the good good word of uh, of yeah of this much better way to live. Just be a little more compassionate to one another, and that's about all there is to it. You, yeah? we're still gonna be struggling with whatever economics and world pandemics that's always going to be there but is out of our control we can control everything else so mm. with what we can control so wendy chin thanks a million again for your time and i shall talk to you soon thank you so much appreciate that